0: black man, to the that We would survive the above and not like a rebel fish, specialist, survivalist, fight up his lips, same driver.
1: Hello?
2: All thy getting good an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215 49098 32. That's 215 49098 32. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the home page, and catch the live audio. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. And catch the live audio there also. We're streaming at bb2me.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. They stream from Ghana. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free radio app. In that tune-in search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream your program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at com. Time for an Awakening. Also, that's a fan page on Facebook In that Facebook search engine, you can type in Time for an Awakening Radio Program. There you'll always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio Program. The fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening Media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB2ME. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, the July 2nd edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, activist, organizer, and vice chair of the California Reparations Task Force, Dr. Amos Brown, is with us this evening to discuss the uh, final report that was issued on June 28th of this year. We'll talk about the final report, final tabulations, and some other important information that will be shared by Reverend Brown this evening on the program. We'll, get, we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors.
3: Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs>
2: with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard.
6: Yes, sir, brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine as we, um, you know, go through this moment. I wanted to, um, uh, I guess I'm going to start off by saying, you know, and I'll say it again when we, um, looking forward to have this conversation with, um, Reverend Brown as far as, um, you know, congratulations for the work that they put in. So I'm looking forward. And, you know, Philly just, uh, um, was that the council just authorized this that it will, um, develop a task force here in order to look into, um, you know, reparations. So, um, there's a lot, um, we need to kind of learn that I am hoping that we can, in this exchange can um, be helpful um, for us in Philadelphia, as far as based off of what California task force has done.
2: Richard, it, it ought to be an interesting conversation here on it's, uh, uh, leading up to this, uh, this recognition of, uh, this nation's, uh, uh, quote unquote independence. Although during that period, we know what our people are going through, but these conversations that are coming up now, and especially that this, uh, uh, decision that was made a couple of days ago will affect, will affect black people's lives here in this country, uh, I'm glad we're having this conversation tonight uh, with Reverend Brown here on the program tonight to kind of we've been following this along the whole time. Reverend Brown, uh, uh, Professor James Lance Taylor has been on sharing with us, uh, you know, the different steps that our brothers and sisters were making out there in California. So tonight uh, with us this evening, activist organizer and vice chair of the California Reparations Task Force, Reverend Amos C. Brown is with us. Reverend Brown, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Very
7: well, thank you. How are you, sir?
2: I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to have you back on the program with myself and Brother Richard. How
7: are you doing, Reverend Brown? Uh, good evening, Brother
2: Richard. Reverend Brown, uh, I, I guess we can kind of get started. You know, uh, just like I mentioned before, you've been kind of keeping us abreast of things that have been going on, the different progress that the task force have been making. Uh, When you wasn't sharing with us, we'd we'd had uh, Professor James Lance Taylor on talking about some things that they were doing because he was part of the the San Francisco uh, uh, Task Force. Uh, The final report was issued uh, maybe about a week ago now, or a couple of days ago. Um, Talk about some of the final assessments in the report and what happens from this point.
7: Well... From this point, our findings in this 100, oh, excuse me, one hundred, I one thousand one hundred page document that's a classic work. Well documented with graphs, facts, footnotes, and Findings presented by some of the best researchers scholars you can find anywhere south of heaven, north of hell. We did our homework. And we're proud of it. The evidence is there. The facts are given regarding the crime that was committed against the humanity of African Americans in the state of California specifically so now it's in the hands of the assembly and the senate to act on the facts and to make sure that we get some redress some relief and actual reparations that I would but as you see, that's of substance. Of substance. And let me say here parenthetically. I heard a little blur there where you and someone was mentioning about the need for us to know our history. Our history. We need to have Sankofa moments every week in the black community. Number one what's that Sankofa moment? Living out the meaning of that bird that comes from the lore of West Africa, specifically in Ghana. It's a bird looking backwards with an egg in its mouth. And what does that mean? the only way that you can go forward with purpose and have productivity, you must first know your history. And I think our audience should be very much aware. That's the reason why DeSantis, with all his foolishness down in Florida, is trying to get rid of books, even... uh, Coming up with the silly notion that children of all races should not learn, lift every voice, and sing our national hymn. That hymn is a great hymn. It's not about battlements, ammunition, bombs. It's about a people struggling and excelling in spite of hardship, in spite of bloodshed. So our community, I repeat, must read. And these children and even adults too need to get rid of some of the stuff on TikTok and Facebook. There's nothing that's informative there. But you must know this basic history of why we are deserving of reparations. And secondly, a major point is, What form reparations first came in? It's all right to try and negotiate cash settlements as the uh, Japanese got some cash for their reparations and the Jews got some cash from Germany. But in the context of African Americans and our just uh, claim for reparations. It began with land. And black folks need to get that in their souls, their bones, their minds and hearts. Land was it. And that meeting that was held on January the 12th, 1865, In General Sherman's hotel in Savannah, along with Secretary of War Stanton, 20 black preachers had conversations with Sherman and Stanton. And Sherman asked Reverend Garrison Frazier, that black Baptist preacher, what do you feel the union owes your people? And he said, I can't speak for everybody here, General. But at least we ought to have some of this land that we've been forced to be slaves on. Why can't we have land? And from that conversation, Sherman issue, oh, you setting aside, forty acres from the coast of Florida up into South Carolina, ultimately into Georgia, Alabama, and uh, Mississippi. That land of the old Confederacy. And he issued it, I repeat, that order. But what happened? Andrew Johnson of Tennessee, an enslaver, who was vice president of this nation, upon, unfortunately, Mr. Abraham Lincoln being assassinated, Johnson emerged to become president of this nation. And he made every effort to revoke field order number 15 and to destroy Reconstruction. So I think, my good brother Booker, that's the first major lesson that particularly this black audience needs to learn. It was about land. Why land? Because that's capital. And even in recent years, this quote, where we have lost. Back in 1900, we owned about 17 million acres of land, but through being swindled and through some of us giving our birthright away, spending it on frivolous stuff, we are now down to about two to three million acres of land left in the black community. And of course, in these urban communities, our historical enclaves, our watering holes, where we own land and we own property, that was taken away from us through so called redevelopment, urban renewal. But it was about black removal, not about renewal, not about redevelopment. And consequently, we lost a sense of connectedness and community. So that's, that's the first basic thing that we said as a state task force. Land. There's land here in California where these prisons were built. And who's been disproportionately incarcerated? Black men and women in this state. where these prisons have been located, the state ought to turn that over to black people to develop it so that they can build communities for themselves, build housing, build farms that will give us self-sustaining capabilities. And, of course... We need to have health services. If you are sick and you live in six or seven years less than the majority culture, it becomes a mute question as to whether or not you even will get some cash, even if cash was available. Why? Because we would be leaving this earth far too soon because we did not have health care. Whether it's mental health, physical health, or environmental health. Then you have the question of education. Education. You cannot maintain a civil, successful society with a lot of untrained, undisciplined, ignorant people. Ignorance is not blissful. Ignorance is dangerous. And we have far too many of our children in these urban communities and here in California who are not excelling academically. So we should have compensatory programs to help us catch up in the academic sphere. And the next area is economic empowerment. You know, business activity. We need to have incubators to help black businesses to get going. And also we need jobs. And once we get jobs from businesses and from jobs, we ought to have the common sense enough to keep it in our communities. The longest that a dollar stays in our black communities in this country, according to the record, is about six hours. But in the Jewish community... 20 days in Asian community 30 days we must not spend our monies away from our communities and further economically deprive ourselves housing we mentioned that in connection with land but I think that this is enough to begin with to bite on bite this elephant one bite as a time at a time, excuse me. That's basic. What I've outlined here is fundamental. So you will find in that document specific programs that speak to what measures can be put in place to bring about repair, restoration, and reparations for African-Americans in California, and hopefully in the country.
2: Reverend Brown, the the initial 500-page document that was put out before uh, kind of in detail our uh, historical journey, our people's historical journey uh, in California. Uh, The other portion, which uh, was released, uh, that totaled up to the 1,100 pages, was the methodology for calculating the damages. And just like you said, it goes into basically every aspect of black life uh, in this country, not just in California, because I think that uh, uh, the document, the blueprint of it, or the framework of it can be used in other areas. Uh, You dealt with health care, the the mass incarceration and over-policing, education, uh, business, uh, the housing, And and financial losses, uh, redlining, uh, the eminent domain where land was taken, uh, the devaluation of black businesses. So you kind of make calculations on all of these things. And according to published reports, the uh, in fact, it it, it mentions that it's over uh, 100 statewide policies that uh, our people demanded to be addressed. But it wasn't specific amounts uh, monetary amounts. And we'll go into that uh,
7: later in conversation. But, well, j- wait, but in, in terms of that, I, I, I don't need, I don't like to get in the weeds mm-hmm. about this money. We need, we need to deal with the altness about the principle and about the morality. Now, what the economists have done is they, according to common sense math, cal- mathematical calculations, mm-hmm. that's what the harm that's been done would cost if it were co- totally done, completed. I think we need to be dealing with quantifiable initiatives where you can hold things accountable. And that's the main thing. To hold things accountable so that you will come at the end of the day with outcomes. But to throw out and say that you, you, it's, it's this, this number, whether it's five hundred, a billion, or whatever. What you end up with is this: the people who've been the oppressors scheming on us, and saying it's impossible. Uh, it can't be done. We have a deficit. Talking about what we can't do, making complaints. But it ought to be a collaborative effort that is monitored by us and the establishment. But we need to make the commitment first that this wrong has been done. And if other folks got relief, we deserve the same. Look, do you know that whites got land in the Midwest? 160 acres. Yes. And didn't and didn't pay one copper penny for it. What we got to do is keep raising the moral equation, and the altness of people being just and fair by us, as they were for other people who were harmed, who were wrong, who were victims of crimes. And if the nation or any political party or in the faith community said we don't deserve it, they do nothing but give credence. Credence and truth to the notion that America is a racist nation. And that's what it would be doing. And, And Tim Scott needs to learn that too. For him to be running out here talking about running for president of the United States and saying there was no racism in this country. Well, now is a classic opportunity for him even to see it. Staring him in the face. But if they say at any corner, any instance, that we don't deserve having reparations, it will show deferential, discriminatory treatment of black folks. And that's the reason why Langston Hughes said in his little ditty years ago, I swear to the Lord, I still can't see why democracy means everybody but me. That's it, Doc. (laughs) Richard.
6: Yes, Reverend Brown. uh, What I wanted to do is if you, if you can, and and I understand the um, moral imperative um, that this, um, you know, that the document is supposed to raise um, um, more for us. And definitely, definitely for those who created the harm. I'm I'm interested in the process. Now Um, the task force spent the two years. It created, brought together, as you say, the greatest minds to be able to look at the state of California and look at the harm to those of, of descendants of enslaved and, and others that have been harmed. Um, the, it's, the document is over a thousand pages. Um, what's the step?
7: I mean, is it a political step? step? I, I see where you're going. The first step is this. Every black face better go get registered to vote. Period. To get oh, any kind of concessions in this system, right? You better know how to count. Oh. And, and that's have...
1: what—that's—that's
6: that's what, excuse me, Reverend Brown, because that's where I want to go. But what I—what I'm not clear on: Does the document go to the assembly, and it, it does it go into a committee in the assembly to be marked up, to be reviewed, um, um, or do you know so it can oh, be yeah. voted on? what's
7: the, yeah, the process just, of the the process is simple just, just like you do any other measure in in us uh, legislative bodies It would be pre- it would be presented by representatives. Hopefully there will be persons leading it from the black congress and in the assembly and senate. And and the same as we got the measure passed for the task force to be created. Mm-hmm. It was doctor um Uh, Webber,
1: Shirley Mm Webber,
7: who, when she was a member Mm -hmm. of the legislative body, she got this matter going. This sister from Arkansas, Mm -hmm. it started with her. And and then after that, then after that, let me finish, then after that, the, the governor, thanks to him, my old friend, Gavin Newsom, he's the one Sign the legislative bill into law. That, so that's that that's move, and then the next step is this: we've given the facts to the assembly and the senate, and they will establish the vehicle for the implementation, and there will be also some citizen participation in that. And that, that's, that's, what, that's what saying. that's where I'm going.
6: That between the governor and the assembly, that's where I'm trying to get who's first. Does the assembly review the, the recommendations? The assembly and first, not the governor, right. the assembly. Right. The assembly. The so, assembly so and the Senate. And, and could it, um, from a political perspective, could the recommendations in the assembly be, with all the good um, effort from the state um, um, Black Caucus of California, could the document be held up, or could be voted down in the assembly.
7: That's the reason why, my brother, I say we better get up and vote, even if they don't want us to vote. Why? Because you must have people there in that assembly, in that Senate, who will support your position. That's it. That's it. And, and then, then after that, We got to deal with some specific. Listen, you know there are about six million black folks in America who are eligible to vote, who are not even registered to vote? Right now. And in California, there are about a quarter of a million. We got to get rid of that lame, lazy attitude of saying my one vote doesn't count. It does count. And politicians do respond to political pressure. So I hope that we can get it over to our good friends out there in the audience to know that there is, as Frederick Douglass said, always a struggle. Whether it's a moral one with a political one, a faith struggle. Nothing is achieved without struggle. We got to struggle and get that which is right
6: for ours. Which, which takes me to to my next question, if you don't mind, and and I and I, I don't want to, because this this as you say this is a critical moment from a political organizing, political education perspective, in order to make this happen, and and we have to be, as you say, politically organized um, in order to be able to 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 force uh, or make a negotiation with those representatives that either on. That is a no definitely or in the middle, but the question I'm having because i I heard the um, last the you know the last day of you know in the assembly when it was um, you know the of the of the task force meeting, and I heard one of the representatives of the task force was speaking about the organizations that had signed up in California in support of you know this this the uh, recommendations. And the um the task for recommendation, and what i'm what I'm wondering, because as you say, it's about organizing having getting out the vote or not just the vote but being politically organized. Where are the legacy organizations in California in relationship to the recommendations? When I say legacy, I'm saying, um is the urban League the NAAC, the um, historically black churches? Um, the um, community based organi- organizations, especially the ones that service the
7: black community, are they in alignment to push? Well, let, let, let me say this for the record, for the record, here in California, it was the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People who got this ball rolling. Mm-hmm. See, these young bucks and girls, they got to stop going around here talking about the NACP. Is this old fogey organization with nothing but a whole lot of old folks around. I've heard it ever since I've been involved in the movement, going back to my tender years of 14, 15 years old down in Mississippi. That's nonsense. Here in California, there is a lady who's still alive. She's about 95 years old now. Ms Marie Davis, who for the last 50 years, every practically, every branch meeting, regional meeting, or state meeting, she will let the benediction be said without jumping up and say it, saying, "I'm wondering when we're going to get busy and do something about reparations." And it was in Detroit, Michigan in 2019 at at our national convention that a unanimously supported resolution was passed calling for every unit, every branch to get something going locally on the issue of reparations. And of course, we know Mr. Conyers has been out for years, but I'm talking about here in California. It started with the NACP, and when we came back from that national convention in, in Detroit in 2019, it was on the 30th of Janu- of uh, excuse me of, um, of, um, of 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 June that we present a measure before the Board of Supervisors for the local community reparations
6: well i can say um reverend brown here in philadelphia wasn't the local naacp that was pushing for the um the you know the task force um that was um to to come out so i i, I appreciate that information because it'll help but my la- my last question for now if y'all don't mind um i, I wanted to get your feedback on this this kind of maybe general question um Do you see the reparations movement in California having the same momentum um, impact
7: as the civil rights movement had at another period in time? Yes, already. It's it's moving like a tsunami across the country. People are calling, wanting to know how did you all do it? How can we get our local force going? Yes, as California goes, so goes the nation. Okay, uh, I, I'll
6: come back. I have others, but I, I, Elliot, I don't want I can go on. <laughs> you know. yeah.
2: hey, Rep, oh, Rep, Reverend Brown, we um, <clears throat> we know that our people basically have been under attack since we've been here, and and we've been fighting. Y- you've been on the front lines fighting. So when you see uh, the court decision that happened this week in relation to uh, affirmative action, which I'm talking about the initial uh, reason for it. I'm not talking about all the people that jump on board and the lifestyle groups and all that jump on board now. I'm talking about the reason it was put in place and the reason it's being pulled back. When you see this type of stuff happening, we know that it's directed towards our people. So what now, you might not be able to go into specifics, and I wouldn't want you to necessarily here on the air. But the people that's involved, because you had yourself and other people in the golden years of their life and other younger people involved on this task force. So when we see that after the work has been done, by members of the task force in different areas of California and submit it to have some results. And it's a chance, and if we look historically, it's a great chance that the people in charge will use this as a political football, will throw it back and forth, will fumble it, and I'm just using the analogies of a game. What type of strategies, what type of war strategies do we come up with to counter when this is played games with, because it, I, I believe it will be played games with, and not necessarily just in California In all these other places where our people are struggling for reparations. The 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 people that we're struggling against intend to play games. So, is it any type nah. of tra-
7: go ahead? You know what? Evil is always present. Remember, Satan, according to the story in the New Testament, left Jesus only for a season and waited for another more opportune time. What we're experiencing with this reactionary climate, this is the same thing that happened during Reconstruction. Come on. Down there in my native state of Mississippi, on September the 4th, 1875, what happened? In what Lemons, in his book called The Last Great Battles of the Civil War, he documents that over 50 black people were massacred, massacred at a rally where Abraham Lincoln Republicans were celebrating their victories with people like Hiram Rose Revels, the first black senator in the Senate from Mississippi, and later C.K. Bruce two senators from Mississippi. But the enemy said, we're going to stop this progress. And that was around the same time, even nationally, that there were great efforts being made to kill reconstruction measures. For example, we had Freedmen's Bureau and Freedman's Bureau was responsible for founding of Howard University, and then also hospitals and other schools. And what we had happening here in our time is that after Mr. Barack Obama was elected, President of the United States of America, something that many thought they would never see in their lifetimes, Again, the oppressor and the enemy reacted, engaged in retaliation. And even the day that Mr. Obama was taking his oath of office, what was happening? That man, McConnell, down there where? In Kentucky. He and others were plotting, trying to make... Mr. Obama a one-term president, but he executed his leadership so well that even the devil and all the demons could not, could not raise any dark mark on him. But what happened? They tried to do everything they could to block all of his legislation, everything he tried to advance for the cause. They were against it, and they were reactionary. And what we're having today is, even with Mr. Biden and Ms. Harris being in the leadership, they are again, with this stacked Supreme Court, making efforts to turn the clock back. We got to fight on and never assume that the victory is won. And it's a constant battle. It will be a constant battle. Why? Because, unfortunately, that virus of racism, that virus of bigotry, Is still in the body politic, and people have refused to be vaccinated with love, justice, fair play, civility, and common sense. So, we got to be protecting ourselves, we got to look inward and make friends and influence people, and that's why it is significant. That Even with our efforts in California, we have gotten the support of over 300 organizations. But I'm going to call it out and say one community that needs to come to the table is the Chinese community. And that should not be. But black people, including Frederick Douglass, stood up when they there was that Chinese Extrusionary Act back in the 1880s, Frederick Douglass stood up with them. And even today, they got to come out of their cocoon and connect with this black community. And even locally here in California, when Mr. Trump acted foolish and crazy, and was attacking um, Chinese persons, talking about the virus, being that virus that came from China. You all know what happened. Who stood up with the, with the Asian community? The NACP, Amos Brown, Black Faith Community. And just the other day, I had a Come to Jesus conversation with several persons who have not come around to supporting reparations from the Chinese community and I just laid the facts on the table gave her something to think about and waiting for the, to hear from them but we got to speak this kind of truth in love with respect but never back down call a spade a spade uh Reverend
2: Brown the uh, uh when Richard asked about the next step that happens being at the uh Uh, The task force has finished uh, compiling the the uh, information. Uh, the The members of the caucus, the black members of the caucus, or the the state senate, or or the uh, representatives, uh, are they in lockstep with the task force? Uh, Has been meetings with them constantly.
7: Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yes, oh, yes. We have ongoing communication with them.
2: Yes. Okay. I, I, yeah. Okay. And Richard probably a little more familiar with that than myself because I haven't seen a lot of the uh, the meetings uh, personally. Uh, the, the, what
7: are the? Well, let are, me let me say this. Let me ahead. say this, Doc. There's there's so many meetings we can't have. We are all human, uh, but we had enough meetings. Mm-hmm. The basic point is this: is that the document. You should see this document. It's a classic work. And nobody can argue with it in terms of it not being scholarship and presenting the facts. But now it's the responsibility for us with our friends to lobby and to push. Not just the Black Caucus, but all hands on deck. And that's where the real effort comes in that represents the integrity of a struggle. We all got to be in this struggle. We can't have people acting like the little red hen. You remember that old story that we learned in kindergarten school? Who wanted to get help to make that bread? Mm-hmm. and the long short of it is when the process was going on everybody else was too busy but after she had put things together baked that bread and they smelled it they all wanted to come in run and grow up we all got to break now we got to be in at the ground for level and not sit back and wait for someone else to shake the trees and they come running, grabbing apples. And that—that's one reason why, Reverend Brown.
6: I'm really, and I have to. I'm—I want to be frank and honest. From you know, from where I sit, anyway. Which you know, I can't speak for California. Um, the importance, as you say, the importance is for um, primarily of uh, the constituency which this repair um uh, affects most effectively to be organized in its own interests, that all the different layers, the the social economic layers, the religious layers, the political ideological layers, all of those have to come together in order to force this, um, as you say, the assembly, which I understand now is 42 votes in the assembly and 22 in the Senate. These are individuals that rep, that has to at least get the majority vote in order to move this document forward. If we don't come together, and that's what I'm more concerned with, even in listening to the 300 organizations, how many of those organizations, because they have to motivate these young voters to, of how important it is for them to be behind pushing this um, through. Um, so I, I'm, that's what I, I'm, I'm really concerned about um other the other um you know communities yes we need their support but if we don't have our own you know we don't show togetherness negotiated togetherness on ourselves politically and others will have to question why should they use their political capital if we don't demonstrate our own political capital i don't know if that makes sense to
7: you i just but i, I think, I, it's I, think I think they will it's just a matter of motivating It's just a matter of explaining it to them. And nine times out of ten, when you stop and patiently, respectfully explain things to people, they will follow. It takes a fool not to follow truth and common sense. But one of our challenges has been we've had so many battles. There's been so much stuff thrown out there at us. That it has been almost uh an over overload in the in this struggle, but I am confident that once we work together if everybody with ten we can win if everybody just 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 got ten names that they kick it and chill with ten names that they go to church with ten names that they've been parting with and geometrically add them up, connect those people there'd be power our problem is communication contact and courage mm. I agree with that That's about it. Um, I mean, simplify All we got to do is develop the plan and work the plan. Work it. But we know always the enemy is going to be there against us. Look at all of these uh, uh, measures that have been thrown up to disenfranchise us, redistricting them, uh, messing with the election process. When they start acting that, determined we ought to be more determined to not back down and you know that
2: and that was basically my my uh question and and always my concern uh brown is that the the war strategies or the strategies in battle should always come from leadership whether you're talking about somebody fighting in a uh, 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 a physical battle or somebody uh, uh, playing sports and and competing against another one, the the strategy should always come from leadership. But the 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 strategies in these battles you're talking about always comes from leadership. Generally, that's not political. A lot of our political leadership leans towards uh, siding with Democrats or 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 or, or, or uh, religious organizations or individuals uh that provide them money and they use black people for votes. I mean you mentioned about Scott and the foolish remark that he made about uh America not being a racist country, but if you remember a day later the and the white press always they, they always slick. A day later, they confronted Kamala Harris, who came from California, who I'm quite sure you're familiar with, and asked her the same question, and she agreed with Scott. So, when you see these people doing this and wait, well, What do you mean she, she agreed with Scott? Oh, she agreed with Scott and said that America is not a racist country. She did agree with him.
7: Well, now, nah, wait a minute now.
1: <laughs>
7: yes, she, oh, she did. Wait a minute. She did rub him around. Wait, wait, wait a minute. That's my member. Let me say this. Mm-hmm. That's not the sentiment of Kamala Harris. Let me let me tell you this. There's a whole lot of stuff that gets on this internet that gets in the press It's gaslighting. Well, she said they've been it. around. They've been around. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They've been around him, messing with her, talking about she cackles too much. That's so silly and so dumb because somebody has a sense of humor. Well, and they've been doing, they've been ragging on her, dogging
2: her. Well, I'm not talking about the, you know, the, the whatever, you know, the things that I'm talking about what she said in <laughs> reference to Scott. And, and the, and I'm just using that as an example of some of these folks who, who we put all our faith in,
7: uh, the people end up being double-crossed. But, 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 but wait a minute, not Kamala Harris. I know her. Okay. Scott is done with him. No, that's my member. She ain't said no such thing. Okay. When so she was in that's diapers. That's okay. When she was in diapers. Her mother had her in a stroller over in Berkeley. Protesting. That's not true. She knows she said acknowledges the the the, the reality and the factual situation of
6: race in this country? Someone put in the chat uh, someone put in the chat the direct quote um, that she's, you know, and we and I don't need to get bogged down on that, but on um, where she said, I, I don't think America is a racist country, Harris said, but we also do have to speak truth about the history of racism in our country. Um, and it exists today.
7: You yes. know what y'all what y'all giving and you dealing with right now? You dealing with semantics. Mm. Tweetly dee and tweetly dumb. And, and if and it was totally hear me, hear the old preacher out. Mm. If it was totally a situation of being locked up, locked stock and barrel with racism. We wouldn't have made the progress that we made. But in terms of having people who've been in leadership, who've been been racist, including, including faith leaders, the Southern Baptist Convention. They were on the wrong side of history regarding the issue of enslavement. That's why they were organized in 1845 in Augusta, Georgia, because they want to keep our ancestors enslaved. And also, also, Franklin Graham has other racist sentiments and practices, but he's not a control of the country totally. You know, anywhere you go in the world, you're gonna have this dichotomous thing of them against us, us against them, wherever you go. Even over in India, North and South Korea. That is the human sin. According to Leakey, the paleontologist, our first habitat, our first home, was where? In the Rift Valley. Where is the Rift Valley? In Kenya and Ethiopia. Where are Kenya and Ethiopia? On the continent of Africa. But as humankind, brothers, migrated around this globe, wherever we stopped on the banks of a beach or river, we developed what's called cultures. Culture. What is culture? Different ways of doing things. And because we were doing things differently in different spots on the globe, we developed this dichotomous thing of them against us, us against them. Instead of mastering that little pronoun, we, we are family. We all made of one blood. Blood is blood. And if you don't believe it, need a blood transfusion. And refuse to accept that blood. Given it's your similar types, if you don't take that blood You're going to be dead as a a duck. Don't help. So we got to understand that it's a human problem. But what has happened, the greater amount of it has been done by people from Western Europe who told the lie, who happen to be white. But even when you look over there at, at Africa, They got infected with this dichotomy sinking. What have you, what have you had over there? The Ethiopian and been fighting each other. What did you have over there in Uganda? You had over there, Idi Amin. What did he do? Kill all those scientists, scholars and doctors. I was there in 1972 when he was acting a fool. That was a black face doing that. Look over there at Sudan. The same thing. Look in Nigeria. You got Christians and Muslims fighting, black savages. So we got to call a spade a spade and say, wherever there is division, call it out, but be specific and quantify it. It's not enough just to say America is a racist country, but it is the right thing to say. There are too many people who play racialized politics just to get in office. Ronald Reagan did it when he ran for president. What did that rascal do? He went down there to Philadelphia, Mississippi, in my native state, and had his announcement ceremony there at Philadelphia, I repeat. Well, Swarna, Goodman, and Cheney were murdered for registering people to vote. So I could go on all day and call the facts out, call the roll. But just to make a general racist statement is it, not sufficient. And what the what what Mister. Tim Scott said that 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 there was no no racism in this country,
2: Reverend Brown. So we'll we'll see what happens from this point on. Uh, the the document was turned over to uh, uh, the 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 state legislature out there to see what happens. Uh, I don't know when the elections are out there. Uh, I guess the community organizing uh, shouldn't stop and never stops.
7: Um, now we outside, well, no, we aren't No, we left. We left the meeting. We left a meeting, even though the officially there's a sunset on this task force. But we leave that meeting, saying the struggle is over. Well, we're 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 on to the next step. Okay. We we're not going to sleep. Oh, I, yeah, I know, I yeah, I, <laughs> I nope. know. No, 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 sir, it goes on. And we are, we are fighting right now to get black folks registered to vote in this state. And down in Mississippi, you got about another quarter of a million there. Who else was a vote not even registered? And you got several hundred thousand up there in Pennsylvania, too. I know the Philadelphia area. I, I pastored out there at Westchester and taught philosophy and religion at Chinese State College. I know the area. And what has been happening, blacks have been victims of the same kinds of exclusionary politicking and racialized policies. It doesn't matter that they've had black males there. It's the same as here in San Francisco. Willie Brown, brilliant, consummate, politician. At the longest tenure up there in that state um, assembly as speaker. But what happened? Did that translate into actually the empowerment of the masses of black folks? No. Why? Because the body politic worked against him just like it worked against Barack Obama. And if black folks don't get involved in politics by making sure that 90% plus, like they did in South Africa when Mr. Mandela was released from prison, if we don't have a 90% turnout rate, rate which we should, there's no excuse for black folks not to register and vote. Dr. Martin Luther King, my teacher, said once said, the shortest route to freedom is the voting booth. And some of us, some of us, not all of us, but far too many of us, are too lazy. Get up and mo- vote and make excuses, lame excuses for, to not vote. So it's about vote, vote, vote. With 10, we can win. Let 10 of us get 10 others and let other 10 get 10 more. We are saved today with that kind of sophistication, determination. And consistent engagement, and never leaving the battlefield, but staying there, and never retiring.
2: Well, thanks for thanks for being with us, and I'll be in touch with you.
7: All right, thank you, and y'all have a good evening.
2: All right, we'll be right, right. back, and we're going open for.
5: All Insurance Incorporated, an African American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over twenty years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over fifteen major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number two. 215 885 That number is 215 885 2444. 215 885 All Insurance Incorporated. I transformed a
8: $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven figure high end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customers, staff, or vendors? Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kanban. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.NewBusinessSolutions.com. just mention you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening.
11: RG Electrical
6: Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. For
4: 12 years, I and others like me have held out radiant promises of progress I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not too distant day when they would have freedom all here and now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith In people who had too often proved to be unfaithful, they were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. And so the collision course is set.
3: the desegregation decisions and other type of legislation and supreme court decisions depends upon changing the white man's mind the honorable elijah muhammad teaches uh, us that our own mind has to be changed we have to change our uh, mind about ourselves in what way well so he uh, teaches us the importance of moral reformation uh, a knowledge of self and uh, for instance at the average so-called negro he doesn't think that he can uh, go into business and provide jobs for himself And because of this, he thinks that he can only get a job from the white man, or he can only get clothes from the white man, or he can only get food from the white man. And we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are taught that uh, the same thing that the white man has done for himself and his kind, uh, if our people could uh, be wrecked, if if we could be cured of our slave mentality that was uh, indoctrinated into us during slavery, we would realize that just as the white man can do these things for himself and his kind, we can get together in unity and harmony and do the same thing for ourselves and our kind.
9: I'm not wondering at all about them. What I'm mean? concerned with the suffering and the pain of the masses of black people. No one wants to pay reparations. The Jews received over $100 billion in reparations and gets $4 billion annually. A Holocaust museum was set up for them on this soil for over $200 million, and they get $221 million annually just for operating expenses. But the Catholic Church, the Pope, the Jews, the Arabs, white people in general, no one wants to pay reparations to these, the sons and daughters of Africa. So I speak to them. I don't speak I speak to them. I don't speak to the family of those two Jews. There are too, too many of us for me to speak
1: to them.
12: And one of the reasons why I'm always happy to come to this organization, because you're the only one, you're the only black organization, again, that understands to put race first. Race first. Race first. And I've had some white folks to tell me that I was a flaming militant, a radical, or whatever all of these names were that they called me. And I said that I am very pleased that you've called me a nationalist because you could have said that I was a member of the NAACP of the Urban League. So I said, I'm very pleased of the names that you have given. But I say that because we put race first, something is wrong with us. But everybody else puts their own first because God blessed the child who has his own. And so I think that race first is very important. And though we meet in a different venue, we're not at the slave theater, we're not at the church, we're now at the Masonic Temple. It really does not matter where we are physically. It matters where we are in our minds and wherever we meet, as long as we know that we're Africans and as long as we know that we're black people living here in America, we know exactly who we are. You notice you can put an Uncle Tom in any venue in the White House, you can even put him in his, he's going to still be a Tom. You can put him anywhere you want. Well, it's the same thing with us who are strong people. Wherever we are, we're going to be the people that we need to be.
13: encouraged, let me just say this before our time winds up. And that is I want the people in the audience to go back and look at the video clip from Roots. It's entitled something like Breaking Kunta Kente. That scene opens with Lauren Green uh, sitting in who's the plantation master sitting in his office and then Fiddler comes in and says um, uh, we don't want to be too hard on the runaway. Kunta has just run away and been caught and um, so the time comes for him to get his lashing and if you look at this scene, it's about nine minutes, and study the scene, study the role of everybody or bodies that are in this particular clip, and you will find that there is an equivalent role in. The political life of our country today, whether it's on the national level or on the local level. There's the black man who actually does the whipping of Kunta Kinte. There's the white man who does the whipping. There's the black man who intervenes with the boss man and tries to save the life of Kunta Kinte, there's Kunta himself, who eventually is forced to admit that his name is Toby, and there's, a, there's dozens of bystanders, black, who are watching. This, this is a very powerful thing and it's an analogy of exactly what is happening in our community today let's give those characters names in our community and call them what they are and then take care of business about that
2: back to time for an awakening sunday edition uh it's eight twenty-two. 22 in the sunday edition of time for an awakening july the second richard yes uh, yes it was yes, interesting yes. dialogue with with reverend brown a, a yes. couple of things that i want to mention richard because it's important and i'm <laughs> glad that we bring these folks on so other people can hear them it's important to hear what he was saying richard because and we've had uh, James Lance Taylor on and i intend to get uh one of the yo- the younger members uh that is on the commission because y- you can see that they have a uh uh the same mission but they mm-hmm. have a different way of looking at what they're dealing with put it that way mm-hmm. uh you heard James Lance Taylor talk about some of the people that's not involved when he was talking about Willie Brown and them that they d- d- requested help, and he didn't you remember what he was saying about brown right. so right. you know um reverend brown reverend brown is 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 working and he's he's had a track record of working for black people, but I think that and I didn't want to attack him on it, but I think his way of looking at it might be um I, I, I don't want to say a mistake uh, you heard in fact listen you heard several voices of the collage I played a minute ago Richard. Mm. and you heard what King, Dr. King said about why he was being booed by his own people he said because the people felt as though that they were unable to deliver on those promises mm and then he said on his part, he said, I urge them to have faith in people who had too often proved to be unfaithful. Who was he talking about? He wasn't talking about black leadership at that time because you didn't have any black elected leadership at that time. They were fighting to get that done. You remember what uh, Charles Cobb said on the program? Right. So he was right. talking about uh, whites that were in power in leadership and in power. And he said that they were watching the dream that said they had so radically accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. Mm-hmm. So now you see the results of it. Our people not interested in voting, not interested in any elected leadership out of, out of their communities because the ones they have been voting for double-crossed the community. That's a fact. It's not that our people are just lazy and they don't want to do it. It's a reason why. It's clear reasons why. When I Force Seven Brown, because now that their work is done, and it, I would advise people to read that work that they did, Richard, you've read it. You've yeah. you've read it, yeah. You've seen yeah. The exhaustive work, and it everything is there from almost and, from almost and every and aspect of life. Listen, Go ahead,
6: listen to the meetings as they. The different, um, you know, uh, expert um, witnesses, you know, gave their testimony in relationship to to the questions that were. Yeah, so
2: I'm not questioning their work at all. But when they turn, just like you was asking them, now their work is turned over to someone else who has to take it further. Mm -hmm. This is where the shenanigans are going to start. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I am. I'm just using history as a guide. And when I asked him about the, the the elected members that were black, whether they're state representatives, state senators, or whatever, are they on one page? And he said, "Yeah, yeah, they are." Well, this is where we see it, Richard. This is where we're going to see it. We've already seen the work that the that the people on the ground has done. It's been produced. But this is where we're going to see the work of the other folks that's supposed to take it further. You, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. That's. I mean,
6: that's that's my major concern. Um, I mean, the real politics come into play, and um, and and it, and it gets into play in relationship to our internal ability to move that that caucus that assembly. If it's forty two members. In the assembly, and I didn't want to, you know, go into, but it gets now and it gets into the nuts and bolts of who is for it and who is against it. Exactly. Yes, the governor might have to sign it, but it got to get through the assembly, and I'm not sure. Well, even with all the recommendations, even without no dollar amount put to it, how do they put the dollar amount to it? Is that a back and forth amongst them? H.R. 40 has been sitting for how many years? Because of the politics of the individuals that sit there and the areas they represent. Well, these in the state of California, those 42 assembly people and 22 senators sit in districts. that have to, so you can have, I don't know what the size of that black assembly is, but you have to have more than just them, or they would have been able to carry. They can carry it based off of their vote alone. I don't think that's the case.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, just, I mean, you, you, it's, it, 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 go ahead. I'm I, I don't want to go. Finish up. I, was
6: just, I, I was just saying, that's where, what you were saying as far as the strategies come in at, that has to be winning
2: strategies based off of these realities. Well, and plus he, you know, when I asked him right about the strategy, he basically said it, he said it. He said, it. He said well, we just got to register to vote. Right. That was his strategy. Now. But if we talk to other folks, James Lance Taylor, when he was on here, he didn't mention that his strategy was necessarily, and he's a professor of political science. He didn't say that all the strategy was necessarily vote. You remember when he was on? Right. Then you had other younger members, according to published reports, younger members of the commission, and I intend to get one or two of them on, that didn't say that all of their strategy was voting. I mean, Reverend Brown said that was his strategy to just uh, 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 register people and vote to get people on his side because he believes if you get to if you present this moral argument that you know whites will be on black people's side. Now that's out there for public opinion. We've heard that before. I played the voice of Dr. King from 60 years ago, say that he thought that. We understand English. Dr. King said that he thought that. He said, I urged them to have faith in people who are too often proved to be unfaithful. And now they're mad with me. That's what he's saying, Rich. That's what he said. He said, I made a mistake. He was mad enough to come back and tell the people he made a mistake. Six years before, the, uh, the same people that he was working with killed him.
6: And the challenge for California, as it is with Philadelphia and any other area that are, is going to be pushing the reparation demand, whether it is those areas that Reverend Brown brought up, land, um, health, education, economic jobs, is that what uh, Sister McKinney said, is those who are sitting on the sideline. Exactly. I'm not really concerned about those other people right yet. We got too many of us sitting on the sideline, and based off of what you're saying, using the metaphor of of what Dr. King said in that moment, that those people are sitting on, this is generations removed, are sitting on the sidelines because they have lost faith in that leadership. Not the external leadership, internal leadership. And you're not going to be able to get them off the sidelines just by telling them, that, you know, this is
2: what you got to do when yeah, you don't know, know what you're doing. It's, it's not, it, listen, and they're sitting on the side, that not, not without reason. Right. I mean, you heard it mentioned in Obama and all, I mentioned Harris. He said Harris is a member of his church. Listen, I, it, it makes no difference whether Harris is a member of a church. These people are not. Obama said out of his mouth on several occasions that he was, wasn't for reparations. Until he got out of office, I understand. Well, I listen, he these people are paying games. We, we, we don't we have enough of this? When Harris and Scott made those comment, in fact, let me take, let me see if I can find those things. And and this while well, you're looking
6: for that, is you got it? No, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. I mean, I'll find it. it is is the the point of? And this is, I mean, I'm, again, I'm going to be redundant for the time for working audience because, you know, we we know that the politics now it gets down into you know really power politics within the assembly, and I mean it, it's going to take tactics. I mean, I mean, with this here affirmative action case coming down, with this um, conservative. Um, Move that's in the in in America um, that is you know in certain districts. If you need those districts to to that one or two person, four or five person, even ten, to be able to sway them to not just pass it, but pass it based off of the recommendations that are placed in there, then there's got to be a full court press within our community, a, even amongst our differences. And I, I mean, that's an oversimplification, but that, that has to happen. Other than that, we're just looking for, it becomes just an a, 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 a imagery thing, and we haven't really formulated the right message to motivate us to, as and Reverend Brown said it, to be able to work um, together in spite of our difference to be able to know how to communicate with each other in spite of our difference. I'm not talking about these other folks,
2: the Asians, the Hispanics, the exactly. Mexicans. Yeah. You got it? No, no. I'm, I agree with what you're saying. The, the looking for friends part, other than looking for friends among yourselves. Right. That's what you're thats what you're referring to. Yes. Okay. Yes.
6: Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's, it's critical. And, and that's where California Um, Chicago um, because if we leave it to the legislatures then you know if we leave it to the political or the political people they will negotiate whatever they can get and those things and that's what I think I hear you're saying because those things would become not what's recommended and and look in the 40s and I keep I I keep uh, forgetting what that report was in the 40s uh when, when they came up with a report that was supposed to be, you know, defining what we need. They came up with the current commission report defining what this is. Defining what we need to be whole is in a report is not a new thing.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Richard, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, he mentioned that you just got to put this argument to them and morally they understand it. They know what the hell is going on. This stuff has been out there for years, for decades. For centuries, they know.
6: And and this this is a message for us, because if this is the moment we want to take because I mean this uh, you know, when we look at this, you know, everybody's talking about this affirmative action case, and everybody's talking about redistricting, and you know, voting rights. How, how you know, how the voter and, and how all these things that affect Black people, and they're 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 we're seeing the pushback once again. This is no, and that ain't no new thing. We the advancement for a couple of generations, then the pushback. You know. And then for a couple of generations, this ain't no new thing. But if we want to be sustainable within, we decided we're going to be here. You raise the question all the time, Elliot. If we're citizens, what is it all about? All these reports about what harm is that we, I mean, a lot of these things are programs that we should have been getting education, health, (laughs) housing, I mean, it, it ain't like, you know, something that you had to work 20 years on to get to the moon. These are things that's supposed to be. And we see if we centered in our own history, we see. So it, it gets into the decision within us as a political body, not describing, but well, what we're going to do.
2: I, th- I think see what other people do. I think I got, got it here. Let me see. I think this is it. I don't have it labeled properly. Let me see.
4: Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our
6: painful
11: past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present.
4: We now have 47 states that have introduced legislative activities that would, in some way, suppress voters. What is that about? So we should stop arguing about whether or not this is a racist country. It is not. Do we have racist things taking place in this country by various jurisdictions? Yes.
2: Now, Richard. That was Clyburn, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, hold on a second. I didn't see any difference between what Scott said right. and what Clyburn right. said. Right. You know, when Reverend Brown said you're playing, you know, it's semantics, first she said, uh, well, she didn't say that, and she did. I'll play hers in a second. But it's no difference between what Clyburn just said and what Scott said. It's no difference. America's not a racist country. Scott said, well, do we have racism in our past? Yes, but it's unfair to use that now. You heard what he said, right? Right? Right. Oh, yeah. Well, then Coburn said the same thing.
6: And, and quantified it. And quantified There's it. states that are
2: reversing their voting uh, laws. But it's not a racist country. I mean, no, I don't want to put words in his mouth. This is what the know. man said. That's why I play clips of these people on this program. I don't get up here and just just be fat-mouthing and then don't. I might comment on what they said, but I ain't going to accuse them of saying nothing that they didn't say. Now, let me play hers because you hear Scott and you heard it, it It's no difference. They're just two men, two different men saying it. Here's hers.
7: Senator Tim Scott said last night that America is not a racist country. Do you agree with that? And what do you
1: make of his warning against fighting discrimination with more discrimination?
12: I believe that we need to, well, first of all, no, I don't think America is a racist country, but we also do have to speak truth about the history of racism in our country and its, and its existence today.
2: Now, Richard, hold it. She said the same thing Scott said. And, and, and she said the same Fox. thing, and she said the same thing Cal, 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 uh, uh, Cloburn said. I mean, am I right? It sounds um,
6: yeah, yeah, to me. It, it, I mean, this circular thing, it is not, but they're still doing things that is. How the hell can you do but, that?
2: But wait a minute, Richard, hold it. And notice the semantics that they're using, Here's semantics. They keep saying the country, the country. Listen, the land is not racist. The land of America, or whatever the Native Americans called this place, is not racist. It's Europeans that have practiced racism and that have been racist since they've been here. They were racist when they first landed here and, and, and did atrocities to Native people. Then they brought us here and kept on practicing it. So those people in leadership are not pointing to, they're pointing, they're talking about racism like it's some type of generic disease, like a coal. You know, you can't see a coal, Richard. You just, you, you end up having it. You sneeze and you cough and you, you got a fever. But you can't see it when it came into your room or your house or your whatever and affected you. They're talking about it like it's some type of generic thing. They're not talking about it, about these people that have brought it here and been practicing it since they landed on these shores because they don't want to ostracize themselves from their quote-unquote friends. You don't want to speak truth, in other words. That's the truth. That's not a racist. That's not playing a race card. That's the truth. So it was no difference. I just want the listening, the time for awakening listeners to understand clearly. It was no difference between what Scott said, what Kamala Harris said, and what Jim Clyburn said. It doesn't matter if she's a member of somebody's church. She's from California. I haven't heard her say one word about reparations. Have you, Richard? No. Yeah. I don't hear everything. Maybe, somebody, maybe listening, somebody in a listening audience might be able to throw something in there. I haven't heard her say anything about it, and she's from that area, and no people that's involved out there in that struggle. You heard James Lance Taylor say that they had enlisted the help of, of Willie Brown because he had been mayor out there for years. He knows different people. You remember what the, uh, the, And he said he, they have been unable to... to, to to get bring him to have him involved. And so, you know,
6: is, go go ahead, people sit on the sideline. Young people. That's that's because they hear it. It's not like we don't like we they don't hear it. And say, Well, wait a minute, Are they saying the same we same thing we saying, Elliot. Wait a minute now. That don't make no sense. In my live experience, that don't make no sense. Why should I believe in y'all? And that goes to your point about leadership.
2: Well, excuse me. We see that the, and it's not surprising. We see that decision that happened this week uh, about affirmative action. And notice how white folks spin it about education. Now, black folks shouldn't buy that that silly assessment. Anybody with any sense knows that when this passed the court, that it won't just affect education. It's mm-hmm. going to affect jobs. They already have to give you a job anyway. It's going to affect jobs or going to banks, getting loans. All of this is going to affect other things, Richard. hmm And according to their own published reports, affirmative action helped white women more than it ever helped black people. White women benefited more from affirmative action than blacks. And supposedly that thing was passed, uh, I think uh, uh, Kennedy passed it. And then Johnson amended it. It was done supposedly for black people. Hmm. I mean, you I, give me some feedback on that, Richard. Am I right or wrong? That's what I understand. Well, at least it was supposed to resolve. Be another part of remedy. Exactly f- for black people. Yes. Now let me. This came from the uh, New York Times uh, two days ago, Richard. <laughs> and it's it's funny and it's not funny because you know we keep hearing these. And 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 if you notice, a lot of the leadership haven't really said anything about it. And as far as what do we do from this point? I ain't talking about commenting on what the court did. You know what I'm saying about moving forward. Yeah, let me read this here. This came from the New York Times, part of a published report. The header says, "Affirmative action ruling may upend hiring prowl." Excuse me. Affirmative action ruling may upend hiring policies too. The Supreme Court decision on college admission could lead companies to alter recruitment and promotion practices. Now I'm going to read the body of the article, a couple of paragraphs. It says as a legal matter, the Supreme court's rejection of race conscious admissions and higher education does not in itself impede employers from pursuing diversity in the workplace. That is at least is the conclusion of lawyers, diversity experts and political activists across the spectrum from conservatives who say robust affirmative action programs are already illegal to liberals who argue that they are on firm legal ground. But many experts argue that as a practical manner, the ruling will discourage corporations from putting in place ambitious diversity policies in hiring and promotion or prompt them to rein in existing policies by encouraging Lawsuits under existing legal standards. After the decision on Thursday affecting college admissions, law firms encourage companies to review their diversity policies. Programs to foster hiring and promotion of African Americans uh, have been prompted in corporate America in recent years, especially in the reckoning over race. After the 2020 murder of George Floyd, even before the ruling in college cases, corporations were feeling legal pressure over their diversity efforts. Over the past two years, a lawyer representing free, a free market group has sent letters to American Airlines, McDonald's and many other corporations demanding that they undo hiring policies that uh, the group says are illegal.
1: Mm.
2: American Airlines and McDonald's did not respond to our request for comment about their hiring and promotion policies. Now, Richard Holden, quoting to this article from the New York Times, and it don't take no, come on me, it it don't take no rocket scientist to detect these people's moves. According to this article from the New York Times, after that decision on Thursday, these companies, it said that they were encouraged by lawyers to start reviewing your hiring practices. Hiring who, Richard? Mm. McDonald's, American Airlines. And, this, and, you know, and we have to be clear,
6: what they're talking about is the senior executive positions in these companies and corporations.
2: Well, I know they ain't necessarily necessarily talking about a senior executive position. It could be hiring, period. Mm. All right. Of course, you don't know, got that many senior executives in these darn different places. I, whether you're talking about McDonald's or American Airlines, you could probably count them on your hand or two hands.
6: That,
2: and that, that, that's they're talking about wow. their hiring practices. Now, see, if you had leadership and then that gets out and it's already out, it's in a published report that lawyers from these companies or the, uh, legal companies has advised some of these companies. And it don't mention it mentions these two, but I'm quite sure it's others, that's where you're supposed to have investigative black media which we don't seem to have to a degree beside maybe the black agenda report. I don't know of too many others. Now, when this gets out that these companies are already investigating their quote-unquote hiring practices, then immediately it should be some type of strategy, war strategy. Okay, you know, listen, it, uh, the leadership should go around, have town hall meetings to these churches, uh, 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 these uh, uh fraternal orders and everything else. Don't go in this McDo- Don't go in there. Don't patronize McDonald's. Don't fly American Airlines. It should be war strategies. You're investigating, not hiring me. I ain't fine. I ain't patronizing you. We don't need to be going to no McDonald's anyway, but I'm just using that as an example, Richard. Those are war strategies. I come to, it's leaked out that you're trying to plan to attack me or my people, okay, we're gonna do a preemptive strike. Don't go in these places. When is that being done? Have you heard anything of that nature, Richard? No, not yet. But it's already it's already out that they're investigating, based on that decision, how they can upend some of their hiring policies.
6: And- and I want to add to this, Elliot, because, you know, it's interesting that you brought that up it was in the New York Times, because in the um, Financial Times, which is, you know, um, British um, um, financial newspaper says U.S. ruling pins targets on corporate diversity. And it gives when you're talking about, well, who's p- pushing this? Uh, the it says i think the hiring and promotion decisions are are an area where there is potential for more of those types of reverse discrimination cases said christy uh, kakstein partner in the employment and compensation practice at baker and mckinsey companies have been keeping a very close eye on the court in anticipating in anticipation that its ruling May force them to overhaul their diversity programs, she said. Now, check this out. America First Legal, a group led by a former aide to Donald Trump, has filed complaints with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission alleging discriminatory race based hiring practices at companies including BlackRock. The ruling comes three years after police killing of George Floyd, a black man pledge from many companies to do more to combat racial inequities. Progress on creating more opportunities for black employees has slowed, however. A poll by Edelman has found that 60% of the executives say that their organization is making a lot of progress against racism, but less than 20% of their junior staff agree. Last This last paragraph, some were doing the bare minimum under the Civil Rights Act, which bars job discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, said Leon Pretoro, Petor- an Academy of Management scholar. Corporations should be em- emboldened now to go beyond affirmative action. It is their opportunity now to move beyond the legal and actually do what is just, he said. Now that's what they' supposed to been doing but and that's what the law in place, but they hadn't done it, even though it's there, and like you said, now that this ruling um and and it's this America first legal group is suing w- well, what you think is going to be the backlash? oh, you did <laughs> okay okay <laughs> but, but 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 it don't it what's interesting to me is. What what is left open? Um, the uh, uh, article in the Insider says Supreme Court allows military academies to continue race-based omission, mm-hmm. citing po- potentially distinct interests. So you got the military that can do it. Yes, but you have the the elite that can do
2: it. Yeah. You see you see what the, 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 this is to open the floodgates to be honest
6: So they're going to direct anybody who you know who want they could be able to go to a military college isn't that a part of the history though blacks can be able to fight in the military for but they couldn't be able to come home was that World War 1 I. I mean let's start let's start with the revolutionary war since since this is independent this is what's the 4th of july coming up right 1812 right the civil war one two korea vietnam and and they get quiet they get quiet on these the gulf wars but black that's i mean why? Because where else could black people go? And why did they go to go into these wars? They wanted to get better out to be to what Frederick Douglass said, so that we can demonstrate our manhood. So that we can come back and get uh, um, and, and be fighting fighting other people, we'll come back and and, and, and be able to exert our citizenship. But what happened? And here now, we're just going to be directing. Well, you can't get into the Ivy League because we don't trust that you're doing you doing equal, you know, the same. So you won't be able to get there, and we, and we ain't gonna be able to put you in the corp, you know. Whether as you say, whether yeah, these you keep these you companies. Said, you said
2: Ivy League. It ain't just no Ivy League. They're the ones that raise the suit. It's any of these schools. It ain't just no Ivy League. You didn't have a lot of black enrollment in these Ivy League schools anyway. It ain't just Ivy League. It's in education, college education, period. It's not just Ivy League. Mm -hmm. Now, we got a couple of calls. Before I go to them, Richard, let me read another. If you had leadership that cared about their people, Here's another war strategy because we didn't see, according to published reports, some of these companies are already getting their lawyers together to look at their so-called diversity hiring. Now, here's something else, because this stuff supposedly has started at the school level. The decision was based on school. But the other ones are going to jump on the bandwagon. Now, let me read this here, because here's another strategy, and we see it all the time. It's right in front of our face, because the only thing that some of our children aspire to is run out there to be a hip hop artist, write beats and all this other stuff, or play football or basketball. It's no other ambition. And some of them, to a small degree, go out there and do negative stuff in the community, just a small portion of it. You let the media tell it all black kids is doing this or black children is doing this. But let me let me read this here, because this is another war strategy that can be utilized if you had leadership that cared about their people. But they don't want to put themselves in the crosshairs of being, quote, unquote, a militant or against this country. Now, this is a this article is two years old, but it's very relevant. I'll read this here. It says black male athletes make up a high percentage of black enrollments at power five conferences. A new report concludes that colleges and universities are making a great deal of money on football and men's basketball programs. Sports where African-American men make up a large percentage of all the athletes, while African-American athletes are not adequately reaping the benefits of the money making machine. The report states that black male college athletes are getting a bad deal. Uh, let me jump down a little bit. Since the report notes, currently black men represent less than 10% of the total full-time undergraduate male degree seekers at nearly all colleges and each of the power five conferences. In fact, Black men are so underrepresented at Power 5 conferences, schools, that black male athletes represent a sizable chunk of these college uh, full-time undergraduate black male populations. In these conferences, white male athletes are only 2% of all the white men enrolled at these institutions. In contrast, black male athletes make up 16%. Of all black male students at these schools, at some universities, black male athletes are more than one third of all the black males enrolled so So wait a minute, Richard hold it these schools don 't want you there, and they didn 't pass this through the court now where they don 't have to bring you on the campus, but they will bring you on the campus if you can play football or basketball. Mm. So it would seem to me if you had leadership, they would encourage their children, if they're good in these these athletics, don't go to these schools. I don't care if they do come and recruit you. In fact, if they come to your house, send them them packing. Send them to a black school. Make sure these children go to a black school. That's a war strategy. You're going to send your children to schools. You ain't got the, the only blacks on the campus is on the football team. Like that school where uh, uh, Deion Sanders went up there to become coach at. The only blacks you see up there is on the football team and the basketball team. Mm. These schools don't want you there, but they want you to play football where you can generate money for them. Now, let let me, uh, before I go, let me, let me read this here because it goes along with, uh, because it, it mentioned, that this particular article mentions the power of five conferences. There's plenty of schools around this country that are doing the same thing. But that power of five conferences, the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the Big 10, and the SEC. And people that follow some of these college athletics know that these schools are some of the top schools in the country in athletics. Now, let me read this here. At the ACC, the percentage of of athletes receiving a uh, percentage of athletes receiving uh, uh, aid or basically came there on scholarship in the ACC. Thirty three percent of the black males that's on the campus in the ACC schools, thirty three percent are there for some type of athletic scholarship. In the Big Twelve. 28% are there on some type of athletic scholarship. In the Big Ten, 24% were there on some type of athletic scholarship. and the SEC, 41% of the blacks on those campuses were there because of an athletic scholarship. You're making money for the school.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, by the same token, the number of full-time undergraduate students that are there, just black, young black men on the campus just going there. They ain't under no athletic scholarship. They're going to the school. In the ACC, now this keep in mind this is a couple of years old, but it ain't much difference in the numbers. In the ACC, you had a total of over 75,000 students at the school. Sixty nine thousand of them were, were sixty nine thousand five hundred fifty one were white men. Of that seventy five thousand, only six thousand were black. That were there, not only uh, not on an athletic, an athletic scholarship. Excuse me, that's eight percent in the Big Twelve. Sixty seven thousand white men there. Four thousand six hundred forty six black men that were there uh, under undergraduate degree not an athletic scholarship that's 6% the PAC-12 69,000 white men there 3,792 black men at the school 5% and uh, wait a minute because I wanted to read the other two schools can't find the paper. Oh, here it is. The pac Ten, uh, the Big Ten. I'm sorry. 140,000 students at the school. 130,000 of them were white folks, white males. I'm sorry. Nine thousand at sixty-nine, which is six percent of the population there, were black males. That's six percent. SEC similar, you had 110,000 white male registered and 10,000 black males that was there under an undergraduate uh, program, 8%. Now, these schools, 8%, 6%, 5% of the Power 5 conferences, 6% of black males that were there were just there going to the school. Very low numbers, very low not even commensurate with the population of blacks in this country, but it was mm-hmm. off the charts numbers of black men there that were there on the athletic scholarship. I just read it off the chart numbers in double figures outnumber whites. So if that's not a strategy where leadership could tell, listen, these, these young blacks are making lots of money for these college campuses Don't go there. Send your children. They can get a good quality education with somebody that cares about them, and they can help put their schools on the map and attract other young blacks to go to their schools. That's a war strategy. But now here here it is now In, in reference to California. They've created their work, created the document, the task force been out there having town hall meetings rallying people now it's turned over to another group of elite blacks that's in quote unquote leadership to take the ball I'll use the analogy of a football game you drop back and you then handed it off to the running back he's supposed to run through the hole let's see what happens now and we won't have to wait that long Richard believe me we won't have to wait that long And you you heard what Reverend Brown was saying about Gavin Newsom because he had a relationship with Newsom, right? You heard it. Right, right. Well, you know, one of our callers in the Germantown Joe mentioned about what Newsom said on a television uh, uh, interview, and I'll read uh, uh, what he stated. Gavin Newsom said that he had an incredible relationship with former President Donald Trump who he said was a straight shooter. Uh, I thought Gavin Newsom was supposed to be a Democrat and a a friend of black folks. But he said he had a great relationship with Trump. Trump was a straight shooter. That's his brother. I ain't even talking about no political parties. That's his brother. So that ought to uh, uh, give black people some pause especially when they're talking about Newsom being a friend of theirs, that ought to give them a moment to pause. If this man said that he was a great friend of Trump who black folks see as an enemy, just throwing that out there. Let's go to a couple of these calls that have been waiting. Six, four, seven, six, four, seven.
9: Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, I wanted to say two things. One, today is the birthday of both, uh, Medgar Evers from Mississippi and Patrice Lumumba from the Democratic Republic of, of Congo. Secondly, I wanted to say that Kamala Harris is a uh, responsible was responsible for sev- several of my uh, relatives uh, serving hard time in the California uh, penitentiary. And they were serving time for uh a little herb. They didn't rob or shoot anybody. Nonviolent crimes. And uh, you know, now the I saw her on uh, in, on a YouTube interview bragging about how she used to she used to, talk to smoke up and listen to uh, you know uh, what is it, George some some Dr. Funkenstein music, you know. Uh,
2: uh, oh, George
1: Clinton
9: yeah George Clinton yeah wow, yippee, while you okay <laughs> and uh I will give her credit she can't do the electric- electric slide, but I think she should stick to that <laughs> yeah that, that, that uh you got a lot of callers so let me uh, let me just be quiet and, and and just sit back and listen well, let me say Thank this you.
2: before you go because you mentioned about she was responsible for putting out a Folks behind bars out there. Um, she not only that. Um, some folks have filed suit against her. If I'm not mistaken, they, they, we got a lot of people that, that knows a lot of different things beside me. I just read some reports when uh, they were sending uh, prisoners out there to fight. fight you know, because they have a lot of fires in California.
9: Fires, right? Yes, sir. Right, They're right, fighting right.
2: Fires alongside firefighters. Mm-hmm who are basically paid to risk their lives. And if they are killed or injured in a fire, their families are taken care of, you know, with taxpayers' money. And rightfully so. They have a dangerous job. But it wasn't that way for the prisoners. I think they were out there making a dollar a day out there fighting fires and all. That, Well, that's slavery.
9: Yeah, but, oh, and I forgot to mention when you finished, I, 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 there was a, something else I wanted to add about her. Uh, Should I go ahead? Oh, certainly. Go ahead. Her father was a part of the Afro American Progress Afro American Association, which was a uh, 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 an organization that included Huey Newton. It 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 included Bobby Seale. It included, uh, 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 Seal. c- included Karenga, and it included uh, uh, Kamala's mother. And uh, her father is uh, uh, is on the left, still on the left. He's an, he's a, he's an economist, and her mother is uh, uh, Indian, I believe. And uh, but her mother is 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 uh, she might be a scientist, but I mean, her mother was on the side of of oppressed people, and she ended up hooking up with you know like Willie Brown and. Willie Brown, like the brother said willie well Willie brown is the listeners of this show know that willie brown is uh, he's bad news still bad news always have have, have always always have been bad news
2: <laughs> thanks for your contribution brother all right thank you all right peace let's go to two one five
11: two one five. Yeah. Good evening, brother Elliot and brother Richard. How y'all brothers doing on this uh, pre-holiday uh, uh, Sunday? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know they're you know they're facetious, right, Elliot? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs>
1: okay.
11: But anyway, Elliot and brother Richard, you know, here's the deal. Before I, before I talk about Kamala Harris and and, and Reverend Brown and all the subject matter, you know, I, 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 I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't mention about the foolishness. That goes on in our community. I'm sure, brother Ellie and Richard, that y'all heard about the tragic thing that happened in Baltimore yesterday at the cookout. Two of a black man and young black man and black woman was gunned down, and I'm saying to myself, why is but this foolishness, man? You know, always these Negroes with their foot, and again, like you said, it's that small percentage that's always wrecking havoc, man. You know what I mean. You can't have a cookout, and not that I'm saying we should be celebrating these things, but I mean it could be. It could have to be a holiday. It could have been just any day. The, the, the people decide to close the block down and have something for the neighborhood, or the community, which is nothing wrong with that. But these fools just cannot let the community have something with somebody getting gunned down. I mean, it's insane. And then. The ad to that, uh, Brother Ellen Richard, in the paper, I don't know if you, I don't, I don't know if you saw it in one of the papers. It, it was in the paper the other day, and it was in the news, on the network news, where this stupid brother, he, they should put him in the jail, too. He went and uh, last year he had uh, brought some uh, weed off this Puerto Rican drug dealer. And uh, the dumbass, excuse my language, but, that, but he was a dumbass, he took, he takes his 11-month-old child in the car with him, because it's a lot of these fools, they have so, no regard for their own children who they birth into the world, Elliot and Richard. So he takes his child, thinking if something kicked off, that these fools wouldn't shoot at him because he has a infant. You follow me, Elliot? So this dummy takes his, his, his infant's uh, a son, handsome little young man. I mean, it just broke my heart when I read the story. He takes him when he buy weed. So he bought he the weed off this product and drug dealer. And uh, he, the the and drug dealer didn't realize the money that he sold him was fake until he got in the car. And the guy was driving off with his infant. So once the Portogan boy realized that he gave him two fake $20 bills, you know, added to 40 he fired seven shots at the car. And unfortunately, Brother Ellen Richard, who gets shot, that his little infant, 11 year old infant, gets shot. In the, and when he took a, the infant, he took a, a bullet in the back of the head, the back. I mean the butt, tocks and I think maybe the leg, and the, and, the, and the boy lingered on for a whole year, and that's why they didn't charge the poor for murder. And to to, to the infinite fight that to his injuries, and they said he, he survived. It's a chance he would have probably been, you know, retarded for most of his life anyway, because he hit you know the vital signs and the sensory of the brain. You know what I'm saying, Elliot? You know? Mm-hmm. And anyway, he succumbed. To his injuries, and now the Puerto boy's boy is being charged with third-degree murder. And like, and, and this one, and this, and I have to agree with what when the what guy said from Larry Krasner's DA's office. He said this is the value that he puts on his own son's life that he would even put in danger his own son's life for for some bag of weed and stuff. He gets his own son, baby infant, this boy would never grew up. This. To know what kind of what this young man could have been came he's dead and now that his dumb ass father had to live with that for the rest of his life and that's and i agree with the, the the dude from the guy from Dave's office he needed to share cell right with the, the guy that shot him to sit there and even put your child in that kind of jeopardy you follow what i'm saying elliot yeah Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, just get just, just stupid, just, just no sense of, you know, you know, you get your own baby killed over some damn weed and stuff, man. What what, what is wrong with you, man? You know, just you just, oh, I I just thought I'd throw that shit out before I move on, you know. I listened to Reverend Brown, and he's a beautiful brother, Elliot, and stuff. I love it, and I, and I, and I like what he said about the land thing because that's so important. Because you know me, Elliot, and, R- and Brother Rich, and the Thompson, we can listen to as a student of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. He is, he is—that was his main thing with the with the ten Point plan. You know, petition this government for land of our own. Because, like, like, like Reverend Brown said, land is important. Land is definitely capital and stuff, you know, because he he always said the white man, because of, of his treachery and oppression about people, having our people working from sun up to sun down, and some of the worst. Inhumane conditions. We need to get three or four states in this country that we can go on our own. And and and, and 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 Reverend Brown might be saying it in a slightly different way, but it all comes down to us getting land, right? Land right here in America, because we are as black people, we are a nation within a nation. So you know, we definitely, uh, you know, should, should, should definitely keep fighting for that. Now, I will say this, brother Ellen Richard, and, and I'm glad that, and, and Ellen, I like how you and brother Richard and, and stuff how y'all dealt with the situation with Kamala Harris. Coburn and Tom Scott because as I shared with you the other day, Elliot, a good friend of mine, a sister, I have a lot of respect. She's an elder and she supports She likes the Barack Obama, but she had to come to me. And I told you when I, when I met you the other day, Elliot, she said, brother Joe, she said, as much as I like Obama, she said, I can't defend the indefensible. She says, "Even know, I like him and stuff. She says he, that's part of his legacy. She said he, he joined in with Hillary Clinton and that, ill and had Mo Mark Adafi kill, killed. And she said that's he's something he, he that's his legacy. So I can't erase it for him. Said, no matter how much I like him and no matter how much, you know, I support him, he got to live with that's part of his legacy. And so I'd say the same thing, you know, with Kamala Harris. You know, you can like her or whatever, but like you said, look, the, the facts are the facts, man. She said what she said, you know. I mean it's not, and, and like you said, she said what she said is her and Clyde Bourne and Tim Scott, if you, if you just l- listen to the words, it's the old saying you got to her you don't just hurry. You listen. They all basically said the same thing. They just used maybe a little different word and here and there, but they all pretty much said the same thing about America. You yeah,
1: know exactly. That's
11: what it is. Yeah,
2: right? I mean, that's why you know. It's, it, listen, the man was out there working with other people on this document, mm-hmm. and his work. Mm-hmm. And it, it, listen, it wasn't like he just got out there. He's been doing this type sure. of work for a number of decades,
1: mm-hmm.
2: at least fifty years. So yes, I didn't sir. want to disrespect him
11: in that manner. He said hey, that and, and, and when he said, right that, way, that, oh, no. That's what, and that's what I'm saying, But you, you and Richard had it the right way. Because so, like you said, you let the tape speak for itself. That's yeah. all you have to do. You know, like the many used to always say, you don't have to condemn a dirty glass. Just put a clean glass beside it. Not that you say that, that, that Reverend, Reverend Brown a beautiful man. I wish we had we could replicate Reverend Brown. But, again, the facts are the facts. Like you said, you just you, 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 you played the tapes for the time for the list. They could hear the tapes and make their own judgment. Because, again, it is what it is, you know what I mean. You know, like my friend Liz said, she said, "Joe, I can't my, my love and liking for Obama can't the de- take, de- take away from the fact he was involved in the murder of Muammar Gaddafi." I mean, that, it is what it is, you know. So you know, that, that spokes for itself, you know what I mean? You know. But uh, again, brother, we 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 live in a time now where uh, and and, and where you know where, where, where you like you said, this attack on affirmative action artists and stuff like you sell like, it. This is where, you, like you say you need strong black leadership because, like you said, if you want to sit and show how hypocritical white folks is, now all these white folks, Elliot, that say they against affirmative action, and I'm some of the ones that's in the media. I'm from the ones that's in academia. You notice, know like you said, Elliot, they got no problem with these brothers being used as, as modern day slaves. They don't have no problem with these black men coming to these schools playing football, basketball, baseball, whatever, long as they can generate money for the university. And this is where you need. This is where you need your Sharptons and your Clyburns and your weak ass black leadership to say, "Well, hold up, hold up. If 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 if, if Raheem." It, it can come there, and y'all want to use them to play football. But at the same time, you don't want a, 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 a Shaheed to come because he's bright academically. He 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 may not be athletically inclined, but he could. But he got great scientifics. He could be an engineer. He could be a scientist or physicist or whatever. He, but he can't come there because he know he he's you know he's black. He he's not. He he's. he's, he's since this field of study is not going to generate the millions of dollars that Raheem will play in football, basketball, baseball, then we don't want him there. But we, but it's okay to have, you know, Shahid, it's okay to have Shahid there, as long as he, you know, will generate money for y'all for y'all football, basketball, baseball program. You know what I mean? And it's like you said, brother, this is where your black leadership needs to step to the plate. But instead of them doing that, they won't do it, obviously, because they're, so they're going to be up there so busy calling these people racist and all that this stuff, and, and begging to be, to, to, to have your people in an environment where they're not wanted at. And like you said, this is a golden opportunity for black leadership. If you had any credible black leadership besides Minister Furcom and a few others, this is a time where, you, like you said, you can, it, it's a part of a war strategy. And I like the term use, war strategy. And that's what it comes down to, you know.
2: Yeah, and, you know, you've got people who went to those schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, that idiot that they have on the NBA on, on on uh, or, 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 or Charles Barkley and others.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And the thing about it, he'll make a joke saying that he ain't, you know, when he went to Auburn, it wasn't like he went there to do you no know, study and he all he went there to do was play basketball. He'll make a joke exactly. about how dumb he was.
11: Exactly. Yeah. But he, he don't guys, say, Charles make makes m- mockery of himself like that. You have to be right, Ellie. He right. don't
2: say anything about these schools discriminating against other blacks. If you can't play sports, they don't really want you there.
11: Exactly. And, that, and that's the harsh reality. And, you, and, you know, and I'm glad you used Deion Sanders' example. Like that's, again, you know, that's a good point. Dion left a black school that he could have helped make stronger, and he went over there to his white school where, for the, for the most part, the blacks that's there at the school, especially the black males, are there on sports scholarships. I bet you, like you said, the percentage of black males at that school that Deion is at now, very firm their on academic scholarships, very firm. Very true. You could probably, matter of fact, I dare say you could probably count on one hand and might not even use all the singles on one hand. I let mean, it might be a little over the top there, but you get my point. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you know, we, we got to stop letting these people use us like that and stuff, man. You know what I mean? Because, like I said, this is a time where our black institutions need to be strengthened. And it's a golden opportunity. Because, I, you know, I always chuckle, at when I sit there her brothers think that because you have to go to some if if your, if your goal is to be a football basketball player, these brothers up and down is you got to go to these so called white schools you got to go to the alabamas you got to go to the oklahomas you got to go to the uh you know, the Dukes and the North Carolinas and, and all these schools. You got to go to the Alabamas. But like you said, Ellie, you, if somebody you, Ellie, somebody follows sports to a certain degree, some of your greatest black football players went to black colleges and it's in the Hall of Fame. And, and you got some that should be in the Hall of Fame, like our mutual friend, the late great Johnny Sample, went to a black school, Buck Buchanan. You know Walter Payton, Jerry Rice. You know what I mean, Elliot. Did I go on? I mean, he's all these guys. These he, some of the greatest football players ever. They went to black schools. So so, 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 so. So, if you're a black parent out there, you don't have to get caught up in a mirage that you that you start, that your son who's a star football basketball player to go to these white schools. If he has the talent to make it to the NBL, the NFL, he can go to a predominantly black. HBCU and still make it to the pros if he has the talent, you know what I mean? You see, so many of us, like, we drink that Kool-Aid where they think if their son don't go to Notre Dame or, or their son don't go to UCLA or whatever like that, or they can't make it to the pros. And that's BS because cause I just gave you examples of some of the greatest football players ever and they are, these are black men that went to Us and they are sitting right now in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know what I
2: mean? All right. Okay. So, I
11: mean so it, so it is it is what it is I mean so we gotta you know we gotta change that that mindset and stuff man and and lastly, brother Elliot, you know, why is it that always that we as black people always we always the ones, oh, I know what it was I was that the last thing i get um I'm glad to- Reverend Brown said about the Chinese community. He said that Frederick Douglass again, I, I forgot that Frederick Douglass even back then spoke up for the Asian community because they were, they were they, they was fighting against the Chinese Exclusionary Act. And like Reverend Brown so ac- adequately said, Brother Elliot and Brother Bishop, it's time for the Asian community to step up and stand with the black community. Because we often see that all the time, like you said, Brother Elliot, and that's the passion of yours. You know, we fight for everybody else, whether it be the black community the Latino community, but where is they when, they, when, they, when it's stuff for them to stand up to, for our community? Like oh sure you might see an individual Asian. Like I know Asian a man and woman who who very I'm very friendly with. They support black causes, but they are individuals. I'm talking about them as a people. I'm not talking about just them too. Like you said, they need en masse to come and support our people, what Reverend Brown was saying. And 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 and, and, we, and you need strong black leadership to call them out. And that's why I was glad Reverend Brown said that night. They need to step up to the plate. The, the Chinese Asian community, they need to step up there whether it's police brutality, whether it's reparations, whatever, they need to step up and support us in mass. Not no one individual from the Asian community step up in mass and stuff you know what I mean and they, and they go saying they go for the Latino community and the Indian community step up in mass and support our people like we so quick to want to do when it come to other people so it's time for them to step up and, and join us and stuff and stop all the BS stop sending out press releases stand up with black people against police brutality stand up with black people for reparations and everything just like we stand up for them in, in many cases thank you brother Elliot and I'll put me on mute and I listen to the rest of the show
2: thanks for your contribution
11: You're welcome.
2: Let's go to 469.
10: 469. Hello, how are you all doing? Great. Good. Um, First of all, and I'm going to have to add on to what Brother was saying here. Uh, First of all, we have to start with ourselves. We have to stop looking at we and look at me and start doing what Each individual needs to look at themselves, include myself, and I can do more, and I am, and do do that. We have to stop worrying about other communities coming to assist us. There's more black people in this country than the entire population of Canada. And there's more black people in this country in the entire population of Australia. So we have plenty of folk. We don't need them. You know, we, how are we able to, if, if we need help from anyone else, how are we able to come together and produce these football, basketball players and, and these um, singers, songwriters, and so forth? So we have all the talents we need. We have the numbers we need. We just, and again, each one of us have to look at our shortcomings, and I'm starting with myself, and do more. Not worry about what the next person is not doing. Because we do more, and we have, I have a founder reunion coming up in a few weeks, and that's one of the things that I'm going to be talking to them about. Uh, we have a family fund that I had pushed and has been stagnant. You know, I've still put mine in, but no one else is doing. Uh, we're going to Memphis, and we're going to rent this Airbnb for three days. That's going to be $2,100. Now, we got in my family educated people, whatever that means, but we have college degrees, post-college degrees and so forth. Now we can't come together and put together money to do those things ourselves. That's no one's fault, but ours. So I think we have to get away from looking at what other people are doing to us and not doing for us and start with self. And, um, yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. And as far as these leaders are concerned, or these misleaders, we're going to have to hold them accountable, call them out, and we're going to have to hold these young these young people that are doing harm in our community. We're going to have to do something about them, too. Some of them's got to go. You know, and, and that's the bottom line. Some of them's got to go. You know, we some of them, you're not going to be able to turn around. So you have to let them know that we're serious about it, and they're going to have to go. So thank you for allowing me to express myself.
2: Thank you for your contribution, as always, brother. Bridget? Yes, yes. He says some of them you're going to have to let go.
6: Yeah. I <laughs> mean, just... I just think that we gotta get the message right to bring the ones who want it the ones that, that wanna come that you know, to do what we have to do. And I agree we have to look at ourselves first. But I'm definitely think that this um as we look into California, um we have to look at, you know, what for reparations, we have to look at what's going on, um, will go on with the task force in Philadelphia. And it's all political and it all
2: requires us being able to um organize. Let's go to six four six. Six four six. Hey,
14: Elliot, man, thanks for, thanks for taking the call. I don't know if you heard it or not. You know Charles Barron lost his seat Tuesday? No, I didn't. Well he oh, said yeah, when man. he was I'm on the probe. I'm glad you picked up this call, man. I tried to tell. Um, Wait a minute. When he
2: was on the program, he said, "Richard." And um, I don't want to twist it. Uh, he said that uh, Jeffries was running somebody against him. Didn't he say that,
1: Richard? <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah. he did lose. Yeah. He lost his
14: seat. Yeah, he lost. He lost his. He lost his seat. And um, now, you know, when he was on your show, man, he talked about all of those things that he did didn't. Schools, libraries, park, making sure that these white folks ain't coming in and gentrify the place, displace the residents and everything, right? Let me tell you something. This so-called community activist Negro that beat him because of the empathy of his people who didn't do what he told them they had to do, get the people out to vote and handle their business because he was under attack. From the, from the Jeffries characters, the unions and the rest of them, sure enough it happened. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, guarantee you, in two years, the guy that became elected is going to do so much harm to what Charles was able to do in these last almost 20 years. It's gonna blow your in mind. Do you know the numbers? What? Do you yeah, know the, the numbers? Number? Was uh, the numbers was I think the numbers was thirty one, thirty two hundred to twenty six hundred. I think maybe maybe what you call them. That listening to your show, Maurice may know it, but I think it was thirty two hundred to um to, to twenty six hundred votes. So you know the thing is this guy I can basically guarantee it, is going to do more harm in 2 years that it's going to be un- un- unbelievable but you know the sickness of this negro is everybody's happy that you know, the guy that was part of the um, Central Park Five, he won. Matter of fact, he won in my district. Yeah,
1: he, you, in, you, he, won
14: in my, he won in my district. Now, listen, listen. I tried to get in touch with a couple of the cats that I know to tell him what he needed to do if he wanted to shake shit up, really. Because they just already came after him because he did an interview. Now, listen to the... How these how these devils act and how they do you? He went on an interview and he had an interview, and they asked him, "Listen to this question." They asked him how many city council members there was, and Yusuf couldn't answer it. So now they starting to attack him about that. You you know what I mean? So I was saying to my boy. You know what you should do is try and get in touch with Yusuf and tell Yusuf he need to talk to Charles and uh, let Charles become his chief of staff. That would really shake shit up. Because the reality is the only reason that Yusuf got the seat was because the woman who had the seat, and Charles spoke about it when he was on the air with you last week. He said that he was the one who helped her keep from building this project that Pern Daddy old Al Sharpton, Magic Negro himself, was backing the developer.
1: Yeah, I but remember
14: because that. The deal, the deal wasn't right, you know, it didn't happen. They scrapped it. So now with... You said being the novice that he is, and the in the Negro being the Negro who he is, Lord, they gonna put pressure on that young boy. And I done talked to a couple of people that I know, and like they said, he's not ready for what they gonna do to him. The woman that had the seat, she said to hell with this shit. I'm not gonna let these people give me a heart attack over this. And she fought a hell of a fight because she he brung Charles in and Charles School, So, I don't know if Yusef had that type of discipline and I don't know if he had that ability to listen because everybody that's anybody in this community wasn't backing him. He just, he, to be honest, he lucked up. You know what I mean? So, I know the mayor wanted this chick I need Dickens to do it. The other congressman that took um Charlie Rango's seat wanted the chick Dickinson to win. And she been a sellout ever since she been in damn office. She the reason why gentrification on the level that it happened in Harlem, her and that bastard Charlie Rango. But the reality is, white folks ain't never really been able to get to thing because of the projects. But they're making so many changes now to the projects that in another 10 years, they'll be able to do their thing. So the thing now is, how much pressure are they going to put on you, Seth? And how much is he going to buck dance and do his thing that they're going to basically be. In, in, be able to finish off the um the community and really get the get the Negro out of it because to be honest with you think about this just I'm I'm just being straight up with you. The biggest employee in Harlem of black people is a restaurant. What do that tell you straight up. We don't own we don't own ten percent of the businesses in the community, and when, when, when I'm saying in the community, we talking about moms and pops or anything. We don't ten percent. The only ethnic group in the community that really got a decent hold on Harlem that's black is the Africans. But as y'all and some of y'all brothers talk about these B ones and y'all reparation lovers. Um, they don't own shit. Sorry for my language, but I'm calling it what it is. They don't represent Harlem in any way. They they, they, don't have ownership of homes or nothing. You know, that's why whenever I hear y'all talking about reparations and stuff, I just crack up. Because I, I know the only way black people are ever going to get reparations is if white folks need the money back. I'm sorry to say it, but I, I call it, as I've observed it for the last, 20 30 years but the reality is think about that um elliot and richard charles lost his seat and there was five thousand well i'd say around six seven thousand votes and the community probably voter um eligible was probably um maybe Ten to twelve thousand. I, I mean, Maurice could probably give you the the numbers better than I can for that for that community. But to just state, how do you ever allow somebody like Charles Barron to be out of office with all that he's done for that community, other than the apathy of black folks? I mean, how, how do you not come out and vote for someone who, who done protected you? I mean, you had him on your program last week, the week before last, and he told you what he did for the community. And I'm telling you, as someone who lives in New York, there is no other black politician. Um, to listen to what I'm saying to you, Richard and Elliot. There is no black politician other than his wife that has did more to protect the interests of black people. Not one. Not one. That 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 Jeffries is a piece of trash. You saw what he did. You saw what him in, in, in the other crown Meeks did in regards to just something simple as like dealing with Africa and all the other I'm I mean, man, I'm just so frustrated. I'm so frustrated, you can't understand. Yeah. I mean, this guy's gonna come in here, Richard and Elliot, and all that Charles has done, and whatever he could give away, this going go give it away. He'll never do the deals that Charles did. He'll never do it. And the and the and the evilness of it is and he's supposed to listen to the words that I'm about to say. He's supposed to be a community organizer. So if you are considered a community organizer, that means that you're about doing what? The best interest of the community. Yeah. Am I right or wrong? Supposedly. Okay, so do you think do you think this so called community organizer would go to Charles and say, How do I propose? protect, protect the community from these vultures. <laughs> Cause they come in form. They come. Believe me when I tell you, they coming for form the deals that this guy is going to sign off on. They know they could never do it with Charles in office, but this bastard is going to do it. And 10 years from now, blacks will be out of the community. I tell you, Blacks would be out of Harlem. Blacks would be out of Harlem right now. Right now. If it wasn't for the projects. And now they're just changing the whole dynamics of the project. Let me, let me just tell you this right quick. They got a real famous project down on 23rd Street between, I think it's 8th and 10th Avenue. They're probably one of their most famous People that came out of there is Whoopi Goldberg, Chelsea. Matter of fact, my my my, my Baba, my Jegna, my master teacher, one of them, he came out of he came out of Chelsea. Yo, they go replace all of the um, residents and tear it down, and supposedly rebuild it and put the. Um, tennage back into their bullshit. But I mean the only good thing to be honest with you to me about the the projects and I've always been a component of it. This is the only thing that I've I've been a component of it is that the residents pay thirty percent of their gross income. And they said that they're supposed to keep that with them coming back and all of that, but we'll, we'll see. They go, they go, they go tear that, they go, they go supposedly tear down and mix integrated with so-called middle class and rich folks under um, the BS. Unbelievable. But yeah, 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 man. It's, I, I, I'm just, I'm just so frustrated and upset, man. I mean, what are we, what are we doing, man, to ourselves, man? What are we doing? How do you how do you let somebody that over 17, 18, 20 years done protected you? How do you how do you how do you how do you allow him to be replaced with a with a with a Negro that's gonna sell you out? All because he says he's a community organizer with no real concrete history of organizing? I mean, i ask you this, Elliot. Could you get him back on the show to explain this sugar on the ice team? Please,
2: I'm going to reach out to him.
14: Please. Because even if you got to do it on a Friday night, Elliot, please get him back on. Because let me tell you something, man. This is a prime example of the lack of vision, lack of understanding, and lack of direction, clearly, that our people are suffering from. You don't let you don't let somebody like that get out of office and be replaced by someone who's a, knowledge, uh, a novice. When you got vicious predators waiting to to, to 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 come at you, I can just imagine. I can imagine, brother. Please let me tell you this. I can imagine what this clown Al Sharpton is doing behind the scenes to try and revisit that whole situation on 145th Street that Charles and his sister Reed shut down because it wasn't a fair deal to the community. I can imagine the manner in which he come in after Yusef. Because let, let, me, let, me, let me just tell you this. You remember the great legal mind, and judge, cut them loose, Bruce Wright, right?
2: I've heard yeah. of him, but I didn't really. Go ahead.
14: Okay, well, his son wasn't a sibling, man. It was supposed to be, um, you know, one of the Charlie Rangel boys, okay? He was the only so-called muckety-mucksters, as I refer to them, top black, Politicians in Harlem that backed Yusuf, And the crazy thing was, Keith Wright's son was his campaign manager. So as far as the elite politicians in Harlem, Keith was the only one that backed Yusuf. And I'm going to say it because I've known Keith for a long time. He's a slimy, dirty son of a bitch, and he'll sell—he'll sell his mother out. And I can just imagine. I, I mean, I would just like to be in the room and watch the game that they're gonna play on this young man because he's a novice. He do he you know—he got—he got a good heart. He got good intentions. I think he's somewhat intelligent. But I don't know if he's ready for what's about to go down. And the people that are uh, his so-called major supporters, I don't trust So I live in the community. I done, I done lived in the community for 50-some years. I know them all. And I know the games that they play. And I know what my, my community looks like. You understand what I'm saying? So when I tell you, I kind of feel for the young man. It's like I said to my people: the only thing he can do to protect himself and to shake shit up is to make Charles Barrett his chief of staff. I, I'll be asked that he sit down and talk to Charles and let Charles give him counsel, because I, I ain't, I ain't even, I'm telling to you like this, Richard and Elliot. They had this guy who is a radio host. A uh, 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 radio host for years named Mark Riley, he's, he, he's been a clown for years whatever radio hosts on LIB and all of this for years. He had the nerve when um, Yusuf got elected that to say that he's a political power. And I had to tell him on Facebook, what the F is wrong with you? What has he done? What has he done? How you gonna call somebody a political power because they done got elected and they ain't done nothing? This is the type of sickness that we suffer from. This the sickness we suffer from. But listen, if Maurice is on the line, man, to be honest with you, I would love for you to get Maurice on right quick, Elliot, to see what he got to say. About this Charles Barron thing, I don't know if he's been on already or not. About, you know, I got out of a little a little conference call and immediately turned in and called in. So um, I'll, I'll go on hold, But no. what do you see? Do you see how deep it is, man? That Charles, Rock? and you know what the funny thing is. Charles even said that there was a possibility that it could happen and that, you know, his thing was he thought his people was going to come out and do what had to be done, but his people didn't, that 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 apathy. The apathy is what cost them. And the thing is, they go, they going to suffer it. But the only thing that, that, that may be the saving grace is there's going to be a lot of sugar, honey, iced tea that they're going to try to do that Charles ain't going to let go down, I don't think. Because I know he pissed. I know Charles is the type that he ain't He ain't letting you just, he's not going to let you put all the work that he done to waste. He's not going to let them come in there and, 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 and take that community that he done basically built backwards. Because to be honest, and, and, and Maurice may know it better than I do, because Maurice is into it a little more than I do. That may be the only black community in New York city that is functioning on a certain level as black, because I'm telling you, brother, Harlem's not. Harlem's not no place really out in Queens are because the so-called black communities out in Queens, which was the enclave are now, controlled by other ethnic groups. Even though they keep a piece of garbage like um um uh, what's his name, um Gregory Meats in office and some others. But even what you call them, Haki Jeffries, his community I don't think is a black dominated community no more. You know what I mean? So I don't know man. I'm just so I'm just so hurt and devastated brothers to be honest with you man. I, I all I can do is just Talk to my people and try to put the word put the word out there. But this is this is to be honest with you, tragic, because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Charles is probably the only Black community left, and to be honest with you, that's dominantly Black in New York City. Think about that, brother, because Harlem, sure Troy, and I've lived in Harlem over 58 years. So you know, put me on me, and hopefully you can get more resource right quick.
2: Thanks for your contribution. Um
14: Thank you, Doctor.
2: Right. Yeah, we'll um uh, because Maurice is not on, on, on here right now, so we'll we'll uh, I'd like to reach back out to uh to Brother Byron and, and get him to come on, Richard. Yeah,
11: yeah. See what happens. Yeah, that will be so- Yeah, Brother Elliott. Brother Elliot. Yes. Oh, can you hear me, Elliot? Yeah, but, but can you hear me, Elliot? Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I just want to make it real quick. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was just sitting this to Billy. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm disappointed too and stuff because. If, it, you know, as you know, Bill Ellie and Richard, it's the same thing happened to Cynthia McKinney, you know what I mean? The apathy, that's, you know, you know, the, the powers that be gained up on, on Sister Cynthia McKinney, that's why she lost her seat and stuff. And they always go after our people when that, when it's, they did the same thing in Milton Street here in Philadelphia and stuff, you know what I mean? And I, and I share Brother Jay's frustration because again, you know, when we, when, when we get, when we manage to get good people in office, like a Cynthia McKinney, like a Charles Barron, like a, uh, Milton Street, in Philadelphia, you know the 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 Negroes and 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 the white racist biggest and if black flunkies, they always you know manage to you know, whichever trick or whatever they do, they manage to you know do what they do to get our people to get these people out of there and stuff like All that. Right. But, but 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 you know, like I said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh, go ahead, Alec. I'm sorry.
2: No, go ahead because we can run so, things down.
11: Okay, yeah, Now, I was going to say yeah, but, but like Jay said, brother, uh, is a good is a fighter. Charles Barron and he remaining time in office, he's going to still fight the good fight and stuff. And he and and, and I agree with Jay. If if, if the is smart, he would definitely. At the very least, have uh, Charles Barron as is, is not, is not chief of staff as definitely as a, a consultant or somebody because he's somebody he can definitely mentor and and learn from. And last, I just want to say this to the brother about the – I'm not saying that uh, we have to depend on other ethnic groups. I was just quoting what Reverend Brown was saying because too often we as black people, we do always look out for – always helping other people out. What I was saying is that we're so yeah, busy. Yeah, well, he understands. With yeah, he understands. Right, right. And We always want to help other people out where these same groups don't come help us out In our need, that's what the point I was saying We definitely need to look to us more than we look to anybody else Because as, as uh, our late great ancestor said you know we, we know we have, you know, we have no friends And that's what it comes down to So we got to stop looking for everybody else And help stop helping everybody else Until these people start helping us so We can help everybody else But we need our help Where's all these ethnic groups to help us out And that's the point I'm saying Thank you, brother, Elliot right. Talk to you
2: Richard, yes, uh, come to end of another program. Uh, you know, I got a text from uh, Brother Patrick uh, about the the uh, Black Power Summit. That's uh, September the fifteenth to the seventeenth. I'll get the date straight. Um, it's going to be at uh, the historic Tuscaloosa College down there, in, uh, Okay. I, th- I think that's in Jackson, outside of Jackson. We'll find out because uh, we'll have him on. Uh, to to try to billboard things and what, we'll, plus we'll be talking about it on uh, the different programs to kind right. of let people know what's going on. Um, that organizing down there is going to take it to another level, Richard, because uh, the black elite got their eyes down there. You remember what uh, I played in reference to? Uh, uh, oh my goodness, I name just slipped out of my head. You know what I'm talking about, um, Stacey Abrams. Right. Said in oh, yeah. to Organizing in Mississippi. So uh, a lot of people, a lot of the quote-unquote black elite got their eyes on Mississippi. So it's going to be a struggle down there for the minds of our people Put it, put it in that fashion.
1: Yeah. yeah
2: so uh, I guess it couldn't be a better place to, <laughs> to have that summit right there in Jackson.
1: Yeah, yeah it's
2: we'll, going to be something. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get him on to kind of talk about some things. Before we leave tonight, uh, the to lineup on time for an awakening uh, media, uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshi, Always interesting topics and dialogue on African perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. <clears throat> to 1 p.m. Later on in the week, on Thursday, 7 to 9, uh, Mississippi on the Move, the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi with Patrick Lumumba as host. On Saturdays, the elders of Sankofa from Saturday. Uh, From 7 to 9 on Saturdays, and then Time for an Awakening is back on Fridays and Sundays from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening.
0: Peace. Peace.
2: If
0: you're driving through the country on... your children playing after school